Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. So I, everybody's got different rhythms. I don't know how you are. Um, I'm always a little slower getting into Christmas. It actually, uh, my rotten attitude is revealed when Christmas stuff comes out like right after Halloween. That really bugs me. Thanksgiving is this thing just gets run over. Um, black Friday, I always felt like it's about depression. You know, it's actually, it's all about money. And when we finally, you know, we go into the black instead of the red, um, and I've, I've also been a little bit contrarian most of my life. You tell me I need to do something, I'm like, why? And I don't want to do it. But that's not why we're doing Thanksgiving. Uh, it just moves too fast. And it's, I mean, to live in a nation where we actually have a day set aside is a pretty amazing thing. But we want to just think through this a little better. So Butch said we're taking a pause on Matthew. Actually, we won't pick up Matthew again until January which is our, our love is going through a book. Today, this will be a little different. So when you see all these scriptures, you're going, holy smokes. Um, here's what I want to suggest to you. And I'll say this ahead of time. So these are all letters to churches in the New Testament. And this is, each of these is about the last chapter, second to the last chapter in the book. It's interesting how this theme of thanks comes up again and again. So I want to, I'm trying to get us to just think through it. So this is a little more devotional. It might go too fast for you. So I'm going to just suggest this. So there's space in the worship guide to take notes, jot some notes down. But this would be, the things we're going to talk about today would be really valuable to, to think through this week. And our culture moves through stuff super fast. And I'm not ready to move on from Thanksgiving. So um, I, I, I read this book a little while ago, it's called Living Life as a Thank You. And the subtitle is The Transformative Power of Daily Gratitude, which sounds good, but it's basically describing the neurological benefits of thanksgiving, of giving thanks. Um, so I, when I was in, uh, it's kind of this be positive and you'll be, you know, if you act positive, you'll be positive and this positive thinking and all this stuff. And I went to these, this crazy school in California. They did so many things I think they think was stupid now. Like we had no walls in our classrooms, open classroom. Do you think a normal adolescent can learn in those things? We just goofed around and threw, you know, it's like, but I remember this teacher, it was like this act enthusiastic, be enthusiastic. He's like, doing, I said, you got to be kidding me. It was, it was a teenager. I'm thinking, not a chance, but all this be positive stuff, you know? <laughs> but what they're describing is the neurological benefits. So they go through these things that have some kind of scientific research. What I want to make really clear in the beginning, that is not what we're talking about today. It just isn't. So whether there's science behind the benefits of it or whatever, that's just not what we're talking about. And what I'd find is, in that whole approach, when I try to be positive, try to give thanks, or I try not to be anxious, or whatever the thing is, it's like the elephant in the room. It's like I can't, it's like it was harder. It actually was counterproductive. So, what I want to do is, what I get to think. So, God's people, we just think differently. I, I love Butch that you actually elongated the forever and ever and ever. I mean, we got it. You know, we got it. It's good because there's things scripture says sometimes we go through too fast and we just don't think about it. So what I want to say in the beginning, we have a way 
bigger foundational reason to give thanks. I heard it, um, I think I was driving on actually Thanksgiving Day and one of these talk radio guys was going like, so who do you give thanks to if you're an atheist? You know, so they're just talking about, you know, thanks to people and whatever goes on, but he's just being provocative. See, for us, our reason for thinking thankfully or for giving thanks comes out of a relationship with God, a knowledge of him. And we've said this in numbers, I don't, there will not be, there'll be no chance in our lifetime that we can fully fathom the amount of his love for us. We just won't be able to grasp it. That doesn't mean we don't think about it. It means we need to linger there and go further. And so I, I think there's some ways these scriptures do that. Our, our fundamental beliefs about God, who he is, what he's like, it actually when we think that way, it changes not only our thinking, it changes attitudes, or maybe I'd say this, it confronts our attitudes, and it works out into our responses. Now, I'll say this, I'll probably say it other times, my first response, Jeremiah, and I were about my first response, my, my instinct is generally not the godly one. And, any friends in the room? Anybody else in my club? I mean, just, but... And God often corrects that by his Holy Spirit, what I know about him, what he's like. And it's really important for me. In fact, this week it's been important for me. So again, we're going to go through some scriptures. There's some favorite scriptures. In fact, without any correlation, I think it's Mike, Ephesians 5 is what you launched our Wednesday service with here. And I'm reading, and you're going about, yes, yes. And then I think uh, Steve McNabb came up, and when he was sharing Wednesday night or Thanksgiving service here, he shared one of these scriptures. All that to say is there's some themes here that I want us to think about. Now, so I'm not going to, I'm going to read these in pieces as opposed to usually I read in the beginning or have someone read. We're going to do it in pieces. Those first three books, these are all letters to churches, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae is actually, it gets circulated amongst churches. Paul's in prison when he writes this, which is quite interesting. Thessalonians is a little bit, bit earlier. But the, um, the situation the church is in general is they're experiencing persecution, some by religious authorities, some by government authorities. In most of these churches, there is either controversy or internal conflict. In some cases, there are leaders who are teaching false things or maybe have left the faith. So think of that in these local churches. That's a lot of pressure. And in fact, we think about our day, there's some things that are not uncommon with us as well. So that's what's going on as he writes this. Now, let me ask you this, thinking about Thanksgiving. Why do Paul and Silas sing when they're in prison and they've been beaten? Why do they sing? I think it's Acts chapter 16. Why does James write to the early church? It's one of the earliest letters to the church, why does he write that crisis is necessary for spiritual growth? More than that, he says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it joy. He, there's a way we're trying to position ourselves. Or how can Paul give thanks for the Corinthian church? I mean, if you read Corinth, it's, it is like, you'd be thankful for our church. You read the church in Corinth, like, those guys are messed up. I mean, they're a lot, they got lawsuits in there. Um, 
They're, you know, as far as the whole spiritual gifts, they're all arguing who can do this thing and who can do that thing. They're getting drunk at communion. I mean, it's like, it's pretty, there's a lot of messed up stuff. And he starts his letter, he's going to address the problems, but he starts this way. And he's not being false. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you. <laughs> We're all messed up, by the way. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That Paul, in the midst of all this, let's use the word dysfunction, Paul's able to see actually God's at work in those people. Now let me just um, try to diffuse this for a moment because I'm talking with a couple brothers about this recently. Here's a mistake in church. And self-righteousness is a thing that can reign very easily in religious circles or whether, whether you're a, a true Christian or not, you come to church and you feel good about yourself because you're coming to church. And what happens is then when you tend to look down on others or they have a problem and you go like, yeah, well, they have a problem because they've done da-da-da-da-da-da and you don't think you have. That's self-righteous. That's a definition of self-righteousness. The Pharisees are the poster childs for it. But it gets addressed again and again and again throughout the New Testament. So I just want to say this. We should not think that we are immune from that temptation. Self-righteousness stalks religious people and non-religious too. It stalks us. That's why we just, you know, this whole series, we just, or we, we paused in Matthew 18. And he's saying, you, you got to, you got to turn and become like a child in terms of your humble trust on him. So some of us have this aspect of when we've sinned, you know, there's, there's a shame on us or we think like, man, I shouldn't have done this. And someone, you shouldn't have done that. You know, we, we, when you look at someone like that, I just want to say this. It's not God's grace. It's not the gospel. And it, and it comes, it's actually self-righteousness. That's why in the Galatians, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm actually going back for the last couple of weeks sermon. That's why in Galatians six, it says, Man, if you guys got the Holy Spirit in you and someone, a brother, sister, they are caught like entrapped in sin, go and restore them gently and watch yourself lest you also fall. Meaning pride does this to us. You may not fall in the same way, but when I think I'm better than someone else, it's just not what Jesus taught. So it's a, let's just say we all need to repent of that in some place. Okay. So I'm saying that because, well, Sorry, I got off on that because the Corinthian church. He says he thanks God always for them. And they're messed up, but he sees God's grace work. So here's the thing. In all of life, the thing we're trying to do is, so I, I say this way, trying to keep our eyes on Jesus, meaning, who is he? What has he said? What might he be doing here? It has to be consistent with the character of him. So I'm sure this week, you probably got lots of things to give thanks for, but I'll say this. I'm also sure this week, you had a lot of challenges. And you might have had some challenges of how you keep your eyes on Jesus or not. And for all our life, that's kind of, that's the deal, okay? And I think that's a little bit of a reason why he keeps addressing this near the end of his letter. And you'll just see it dropped down into it. Um, I'm going to skip the Habakkuk reference. I was just going to read another one to show you. This is a consistent theme in the Psalms and the prophets also. It just, it's just there. But again, our thanks is always anchored in who God is and what he's doing, even if we don't understand it. I lied. Let's go back to Habakkuk. It, it, it shows us better. Go ahead. It's a long one. It's probably not one slide. Let me just tell you this before we read this. 
Oh, this is Caius' verse, I think, too. The prophet Habakkuk is, um, he's, he's prophesying to the nation of Israel that's basically gone apostate. Their leaders are not following him, and he's grieved over it. And in the whole process here, now God is sending the nation of Chaldea, who are historically, they would go in and just wipe out villages. And, and, and so he's sending them to actually discipline or judge the nation of Israel. God said he would do this. You turn away from me. You start following false gods. You start sacrificing your children in, in sacrifice. That's what they're doing. And so he sends them, and the judgment means this. It's not, the discipline is to wake them up and to turn them back to him. So that, and, and, and Habakkuk's the prophet, and it breaks his heart. Breaks his heart about the way his people have turned away. It breaks his heart that God's doing this with this evil people. He just doesn't get it. So throughout the book, he's saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? And it ends with this paragraph. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Think agrarian culture. This is all their life. This is financial devastation. There's nothing. Even though that be true, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. You see the shift? I don't know what God's going to do, but he is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on high places. Is that the end of it? I think it is. Okay. He's talking about, but it's all oriented towards God, anchored on who God is and what he's doing. Though here, he doesn't see the end. He doesn't see the end. How much of the future do you and I know? God does. How many things have happened to us? We never saw it coming. And we're so glad God didn't tell us ahead of time. But he won't leave us. He walks with us. Okay. So I'm going to pray. I just want our hearts to be prepared to receive from the Lord today. And Lord, no matter what's going on in our life, would you anchor us in you and allow our hearts to be anchored in you. And that it might even be true that we could, we could give thanks like you say. So let's pray. Father, this is your word. We're coming into it today. We need it. I need it. Mike and I would say this again and again. The very sermon that you've had us prepare is a sermon that we need. And it's true this week for me. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it instructs us. I thank you for how it's confronted my heart even this week. I need it. I thank you for the joy of knowing you and following you. That's actually where peace is. So, Lord, would you have your way with us today and use your word in a way that you love to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Ephesians 5. I'll read. What? You didn't go through all these verses in the class, did you, before? Did you really? Wow, amazing. Oh, no, 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 just the one. Ephesians, okay. So, Ephesians 5. Ooh, that's big. Okay, big text. I'm going to read the whole thing. All right. Uh... Okay, it's helpful. If you have your Bibles open, you can kind of see it all together. But So he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I will not go into this as in depth as, uh, there's way more here. You could do sermons from this. So I'm, I'm, this is almost like skipping a stone across the top, but I want to, I want to note a couple of things here. He begins in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise walk wisely. Just be careful to walk wisely. So what I'm trying to do is get us to think there's a lot that is unwise, right? A lot of unwise things out there. Uh, we talk about all the times uh, trying to turn off the noise that's around us. My first reaction to something is generally not the best reaction. Uh, I have a friend, Dr. Friend, mentored by Herb Atkinson, who started uh, Southwestern Medical Clinic. And I, so I've heard this passed down generationally. He says, you need the three-day rule. Oh, man, I, or the 72-hour rule. I wish I held to that rule all the time. What's the 72-hour rule? That thing you think to say, sit on it for 72 hours. You don't, if you wait 72 hours, you might address the same thing, but you'll like it a lot better what you say than what you said at first. Because sometimes that thing that you said at first, emotions are so out there, you might have said some things in a way that you wish you could have back. Walk wisely, he says. I Meaning there's a lot of unwise ways to walk. There's a bunch of times in my life I wish I, actually some of the biggest, I made lots of mistakes in my life, but some of them are just not following that rule. Think about it. When I sit on, actually I've been practicing it this, this week with Cindy and I, talking about a couple things and like, let's just, let's just wade through this with the Lord. That's helpful. So you think about what's wise in this situation. What would the Lord have me do? Boy, those are really different questions, aren't they? Than what I think at first. Because I think this thing right here and I go, whatever, let's say something, that's wrong or that's, what, that's not the right way to do it or sit there with the Lord. Walk wisely. This Actually, in this whole section, there's a, there's a way we're to walk with him. Now, what I want to say to you, this will get connected to thanks later. But walk wisely means basically this. I'm identifying that maybe the first thing that I think, the first thing that I feel, the first thing that I, that I speak may not be wise. And so in that time, there's an adjustment that might get me into what I would call God's perspective, a godly perspective. Friends, I need that all the time. I mean, I need it all the time. Uh, there's some, we're going to get down to the verses to talk about give thanks always. How can we do that? Okay. It's not being positive. It's walking wisely. It's pausing here. If I can just be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, and think through, all right, Lord, I know you're here, whatever the situation. So as we're going along, you think about some situation, maybe you have already. What do you want me to do with this? What's going on here? That's, that's part of walking wisely. Um, 
understand God's will, understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, it's not complicated. It's very clear here. He's going to tell us. And what it is, is it's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't get drunk with wine. Don't let that be what's controlling you. I mean, you could fill in anything. He's speaking of wine here because there'd be some, that's their escape. Well, there's lots of, lots of escapes people use. So whatever your escape of choice is, don't pick that one. He said, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and very clearly he's saying, this is God's will for you. And sometimes people make God's will like this complicated thing. Oh, I wonder what God's will for is for me on this situation. Well, basically he's saying, be filled with his spirit. There's some, okay. So sometimes people think of the Holy Spirit as something really weird. It's, you know, think of it this way. The Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, it's, it's God, okay? It's the Spirit of Christ. Well, you get, we got the Gospels. We see what he taught. We see his character. Be that, be filled with his Spirit. So we're seeking him, asking for that to be in, within us. And his Spirit is present in all his people. Okay, filled with, not small dose. This is what I want coming out of me. So I think, one way to think about that is what is it that controls me at different times? Is it the spirit of Jesus or is it something else that comes out of me? That's helpful to think. Well, how do I, how do, I do that? I think verses 19 to 21, he, he's talking about some ways. I don't know, if did you talk about it this way? It, he, these are some ways of being filled with the spirit. So now he's getting to, if you want to call them action steps, but they're like, how do I get filled with the spirit? How do I? I think these are things. So I'm going to read 19 to 21 again. The first one may seem weird, but it's not. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm just going to talk about those three things quickly, but they're not the only answer, but how am I filled with the Spirit? So the first thing he says this aspect of Psalms coming out of us. So I just say this way, scripture, it's leaking out of our heart, even in song to one another. There's enough in us that it comes out. And I don't think that means you got to have a Bible verse for everything you're going to say. I don't think that's what it's saying. But there's something of God's word that's in us that comes out of us. Now there'll be another, I'm gonna, I think it's Colossians. I'll talk about another way how that happens, but it's, that is my, my mind. I know enough of it. And so, you know, some people, I think Rob's really good at this. Scripture memory is a good thing. You don't get brownie points on heaven, but if I want the word to come out of me, I got to have it in me and I don't have my Bible with me all the time. I don't, I can't. So there's certain ways that can come into me, but it's not just memorizing it. It's thinking about it. So it comes out and it seems like it's coming out in some pretty natural expression. So some of it is worship and I, yeah. So singing for me matters like the words we put up there matter. And when I think about the words we're singing, my voice tends to get louder. I mean, I'm thinking about how good that is. And I don't care if you listen to me or not. I'm just like, but that's, it's, it's the truth of it that comes in. I think that's why there's that kind of an expression here. Um, Next one, give thanks always for everything. So I, I want to explain this because I want to, the word everything here, 
Yeah, always for it. So the word everything, it actually means everything. <laughs> it really does. Wow. What's not included? Now, immediately, some of us have gone to some really hard parts of our life. And I'm not trying to gloss over hard parts. And I've told enough of Cindy my story. We've had some pretty big hard parts of our life. But what, in, in so, let me say, so when we process the hard parts, part of what I keep doing is the same thing as in small stuff. All right, God, how are you here? Or what have you done here? Or what's the thing you might want to do? It's, it's that look. I'm not glossing over sin done to people because it's happened to everybody here. But when it gets there, I'm looking. We, we serve a God, the only one who's able, he is able to turn evil for good. He can accomplish good through, when it says evil, it's sin done to, he's able to do it, okay? And I'm, I've told enough of our stories to say for, but that's kind of the thing we're, we're looking to. I'm not trying to gloss it over, but Lord, where is it? And if I, when I see where it is, if I thanked him for the hardest places, that's where my heart gets that way, okay? So it just, there's a, there's a godly perspective of those kind of things. So I mean, the, the word everything, it, it actually means everything. Oh, how about smaller deals? How about smaller things? Uh, so not, not the big, really hard ones. Uh, Thanksgiving's great. We got a big family. We have way too many grandkids that are six years and under. And they all came to our house. And I'm like, uh, so at one point the parents go like, hey, we want to go for a walk. Can you watch them? <laughs> we'll put a movie on. Oh, yeah. You ever seen a two-year-old watch a movie? You know how long that lasts? Okay, so I got five of them lined up over here. One, one sleeping in my bed because they don't feel good. I got five of them lined up here. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do here? And like, oh yeah, so this is like ages two to, two to five. Two two-year-olds. Um, and so pretty soon I hear like, I, not, I won't say it as loud, I can't see. Well, the first two-year-olds come right up to the TV monitor and the next one comes up and you get five kids. I, so I, I don't know how many times I put them on the couch. 10, 12, hey, guys, Couch, couch, don't get, and I don't, well, you can't, what do you, you can't threaten them. They get up again. You, you, do I want to execute whatever I'm going to say? It's, it's going to happen. So I just like, couch, couch. And then, you know, then the six-year-old comes out and she's looking at me and she's then like, she threw up right here. And then, then I'm like, bathroom, stay. I run to the bathroom and I didn't know she threw up on the floor and I stepped in it and now I'm holding her hair and five more times she's throwing up in the sink. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. Okay. I'm telling you a funny one versus the hard one. Oh, those grandkids, they were great. <laughs> they, there was such a mob. You know, like, this is just like church. Yeah, you know. It was, it was actually, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm holding this girl's hair. She's throwing up. She goes, I'm so sorry. You're courageous. You're doing great. 1-800-CALL-MOM. You know, they're out for a, a walk. <laughs> oh, I, that, thank, thank you, Lord, for Siri. So, and, they come back, and it was like, it wasn't actually that big a deal. There actually wasn't. I, I tell it like it was, and I did think like it was, but like, all those little disruptive moments, 
each little kid, even when I got, which one have I got a discipline? They're shaping moments. It's a little life right there. And we were tired. When they finally all left, wasn't, no, I can't say that. When they finally all left, oh, but it was good. And give thanks for it. It's not like we just made it through. It's good. I'm like, and I'm, so I'm praying for these little grandkids that are fighting and what God might do later on. There's something, so each thing, so I, so I just went to smaller, more funny, less big story. But the big, the big hurts and the little inconvenience, thank God for everything. It really is. But how does it happen? God, who are you? What do you want? It's a perspective. It's much bigger than me. Because right here, I'll tell you what I wanted. I want to go take a nap. It's not, it's, it's not. He's given us this moment, this thing in time. What does he want? And it's good when we think towards him. All right, I, sh- I might have to skip one of these later. Here's the last one, this one. Um, last verse. Give it thanks, always, and everything. Oh, submitting to one another out of reference for Christ. Can you just like take that one out of your Bibles? Okay, just okay, don't underline it. Go like, think about that. This is how we're sub- we are filled with the Spirit. It, it's the sentence continues on submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We don't like that. We really don't. This is this is saying I'm submitting to another person, even when I think I'm right. Follow me. I'm deferring in love. I'm listening to them. I'm not fighting for what I think is right. Okay, this is not a sin and truth issue. This is more something. It's what's the right way to do this? You know, I don't know if it's passing out papers to kids or doing the Christmas program this way or how we, you know, you think about all the things we fight about or what this decoration or whatever. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up right now. But most of the fights we have or most of the things are opinions and we can express something strongly or we have this, maybe you don't say it, but we feel it. He says, submitting to one another out of reference for Christ. So in a non-sin area, a non-truth area, someone's saying something, let's say I don't like it. How, How do I submit to one another out of reference for Christ? In other words, love reigns. My love for Jesus, for this brother or sister who may think very differently than me. They voted for the other person. I don't know what else. What, what bugs you? I don't know what bugs you. But there's a, there's a love for Jesus is bigger than that. He actually connects that to being filled with the Spirit. Think about that one. Oh, we could, we could instruct this world so much by non-essentials that we don't agree on and loving one another still. And, but it, I'd say listening to the other person, the other perspective that I may not agree with. So there's a submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now let me say this. That does not mean you don't express, you know, whatever that is. But there's a way it's not the primary thing. And you're not doing it argumentatively. That's probably enough, huh? Today, should we just close up, shop there? We just did one of them. Okay, there's more. Uh, let's go to Philippians chapter four. The other ones are a little quicker, I think. Okay, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Notice how many times in these texts, circle them in your Bible, it says always and everything. It's crazy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He's near. Do not be anxious about anything, but contrast. Don't be anxious in anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to call anybody. Anybody have some of this memorized? Yeah, this is a good one. This is, a, this is one to camp out on. So I'll let you say this. I'm going to start at verse 6. Truth is, we are all tempted to worry and get anxious. We all are. What's unknown? Uh, anything else today? Your next second? The nature of future is we're stepping into things that are unknown, and that tends to be where we become most anxious. We make plans, but we don't know. I don't know anyone who chooses cancer. Now, I'll just say this to one. So I've talked to, I just, wow, you think back over 35 years, which I've been doing late, it's, it's really interesting. So the nature of being a pastor is people come in and they tell you about things going on they don't tell anybody else, okay? And I've had so many people sit with me to say, like, I never asked for this particular temptation. I didn't want it. This thing's in me. And I don't want it. And a lot of people walk, we've walked with for a long time through those kind of things. What, what about the future do we not know? We don't know anything about the future. So we're tempted to get anxious. And it's interesting here. He says, do not be anxious about anything. He, and he didn't go just stop it. But then he says, but it's a, in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. Okay. He's saying, come and talk to him about anything. So in a sense, the antidote for worry, which we all have the varying degrees, some more so than others, but we all have a degree of anxiousness. He, he says that we can, we can turn that, we can bring that to God, big and small. You don't have to compare your, the size of your worry to someone else's. Some of us have some really big ones. Some of us have some common ones that keep nagging. We can, we can bring them to him. So here's what I would say this way. But highlighted, when you worry, when you're, you just realize, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm use a different word. I'm, I'm getting anxious about this. Let it be like a, a stoplight or something. That warning light. It's an opportunity. See it as, see it as God's call. Because we all, He knows we're like that, and, and Jesus is always saying, "Oh, you have little faith, right?" All right, that's us. So when you think, hear that as God saying, I'm here. Isn't that what it says? Rejoice, the Lord is at hand. I'm right here. See that as the same because future, whatever that thing is, I'm, it's something in the future generally, something I don't know. Well, who does know? The Lord is at hand. Just turn it to talking with him. Turn worry and concern. So I think I wrote it here as prayerful thanks. I, so the thanks comes later. I just say, turn it to talking to him. Just start doing it. So I've used this illustration a number of times. You know, Cindy and I, our whole life is our family and our church. It's, it's people. And so when, you talk, when you're talking about people and the people in our lives, we all got struggles, right? So I'll just say, let's say it's my kids. We're talking about one, and there's always this unfinished business. So you're like talking about it. And we've, this has been a, um, 
It's interesting. I actually heard one of my kids say this two Sunday, that one Sunday afternoon. So maybe I've been doing this a lot longer than I thought. And I think it was Bethany that said it. That she remembers us as we were talking about something, just all of a sudden shifting it to the Father in conversation. That's prayer. So I'm going to say that about our worry. So when we're talking about our kids and there's this thing, oh man, I wish this would happen for now. Just, Lord, you know what we've been talking about and you know, no, we just start right there. So pause, time out. When I get to the end, I like leaving something with you. How do I respond? I'm going to come back to that one and ask you to try that this week. Uh, I remember, man, years ago when I was doing youth ministry, I used to teach this thing called 21 Days to Break a Bad Habit. And it basically is like when you, you, you take away the one thing and it's replaced with something else and you keep doing it, it becomes more of a, um, something you end up doing. So let me say this way. The worry is whatever you're anxious. And one of that things, I shift it now to the Lord. And as you do that more, it'll become more instinctive to you. I think that's also be filled with the spirit. How do I, Lord, how do I do this? I, I, I want that to happen. And so it's just a response. So let it be that when you recognize, and if you've got a friend or a spouse, they might recognize what's going on. For, just, hey, we're being anxious here. Or we're, just turn it to conversation. It didn't matter who leads it out. Just turn it to conversation in the Lord. Okay? And as we do, I'm remembering again in that conversation who God is, what he's like what he does. And so that's where the thanks might come as I'm calling out those things about God. Does that make sense? Okay. I know this is, there's a lot here, but these scriptures are so full. It's interesting that each of these New Testament letters, he's coming back to this. All right. So he says, let these requests come. You can, you can ask him about anything, but you do so. Requests come with, with thanksgiving. How? Only when you have confidence in the Lord. Who is? I don't know what you're going to do. And God is continually doing things not in the way we wanted, but he's got it. He won't leave us. So when I can pray and honestly talk with the Father about my worries and concerns, that's what happened. And I'm reminding myself of what I know to be true about God. Maybe you're including uh, a phrase from a psalm, God, I know that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to, what, whatever it is. But you're not just reciting scripture, you're reminding yourself what you know about God. All right, and then here's verse seven. Get in the right spot. Um, oh, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love the phrasing there. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So that word guard, it's like a sentry. He's a military guy. He's, he's protecting your heart and your mind. God's peace will come. And I, and I think actually, that's what this book's describing. It's just describing it backwards. It's trying to get you to do something. I, I think when, our, when we turn to the Lord in this way, then that's what, what comes to us. It's the fruit of that kind of thing. They're, those authors are trying to use it to motivate us to do something. 
But I feel like when I try to pursue peace that way, it just feels contrived and actually doesn't accomplish what they're asking. But when it's rooted in who God is, man, everything changes, doesn't it? Everything changes. All the chaos, all the disaster is still there. But I know he's with me. I know he's with me. And when I know he's with me, this is Psalm 23, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Changes everything about a situation when you know God's with you. And that's when peace comes. All right, Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. Get these themes, they're coming back again. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So I'm going to pick up that first phrase in verse 16. Let God's word dwell richly within you. All right, play with Just play the game with me for a second. Close your eyes. I want you to think about uh, a given day, maybe this week. And I want you to think about in an average day, how many minutes do you read or listen to the news? And that includes social media because that's personal news. So just think, come up with a number. How many minutes in an average day do you read or listen to the news or social media. Okay, got the number? You have to have a raise your hand if you got a number. Keep your eyes closed. Oh, some of you, some of you are, don't have a number yet. We're waiting. Raise your hand if you got a number. Still waiting. Okay, some aren't playing. That's okay. Keep your eyes closed. Now, think this. Put your hands down. How many minutes do you read or listen to scripture? Come up with a number. Got it? Raise your hand if you got it. Okay. All right. Hands down, eyes open. I'm not going to ask you. Don't, don't verbally respond. Which one's more? Which one's more? Is it a lot more? So think about this. If news, social media, is what's coming into us more or a lot more than scripture, what do you think is going to influence our emotions, our spiritual health, our conversations, our fears and anxieties, our perspective of life? What's it going to be? He says here, let the word, actually it's the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the apostle's not simply saying, read scripture, you know, there, there is that, but is that word dwell, it literally means, he said, let it take up residence. Let it make its home in you. Let that happen. How would you do that? I, just have fun with that one. How would you do that? So I remember, I don't know, Justin, maybe a year ago or whatever, we're just talking about some things and, uh, there's a lot of scripture you are consuming. And if I remember right, you're listening to it, which is not my way of doing it, listening to it. And you're continuing, whatever you're doing, you're continuing. I think sometimes it's chores in the yard or whatever, but it's a lot you're listening to. And if I remember right, talking to your brother about what you're listening to. That, 
It's one good way. For some of you guys that are more that way, listen to Scripture, find out ways to do it. It's good. I'm not good at that one. I, I was at my uh, friend's house about a month ago, driving through Grand Rapids. Some of you guys know Pat Meyer, moved away many years ago. Um, what a wonderful man. And he gets, you know, he's in this downsizing thing in the medical profession. And so he loses his job. He's unemployed for years and guys our age don't get hired. And Lord did provide a job, but he, you know, sells his house. He's been in an apartment for a long time. So I'm in this little dinky apartment. And I go and use his bathroom. And on the mirror, one scripture verse after another, after another. I mean, they're just all promises of God. I knew it was Annie's, I knew it was his wife's handwriting. And I thought, man, it just made me smile. I don't know how often you go in the bathroom or how often you go in the mirror, but it's right there. But how many times is one or the other doing that? And I'm reading and worshiping on some of the things that were up there that they put there. How, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I don't, I don't know how you would do that, but I'd say this, do it. If, if, if the amount of my intake of this, these other things is more than scripture, which one's going to influence me? That's not hard to figure, right? So we're, I'm not reading it so I can, oh, I've never read that before. That's, how many times have I read that thing before, but I'm, I forgot it, or I'm not thinking, I, I need God's word in me. I want it to dwell richly in me. So I do think scripture memory is a really good thing, but it's not so you can re repeat it back as road. It's so you can call it to mind when you need it. So honestly, when I'm, when I'm traveling, my access to certain things is great. And the Lord's calling up scripture to me lots of times. The Holy Spirit knows how to do that. And we need that. Let it dwell in us richly. Um, I'll just do these other ones quick. So I think he's saying the same thing. We, we minister to one another in word, wisdom, and song, and we also minister to one another when our hearts are thankful. Why is that the flavor all the time? Being th he's not being Pollyannish. This is what he wants us to do. All right, I'm going to go real quick and close out. First, I'm going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18. This is like, poof, 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 poof. rejoice always, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Boom, boom, boom. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are you getting these themes again and again? Doesn't keep saying this. And he's actually saying this is God's will. That's what he wants. So I'll, I'm going to end with this one. It's very clear here again, this is all connected to our real walk and relationship with God. So, so play with me for a second. Let's, I want you right now to take a deep breath. Breathe out. Breathe in. We do this all the time. We breathe all the time. We don't even think about it. When he says pray without ceasing, it's like spiritual breathing. That is, the Lord's at hand. He's always with us. So all the time we can talk to him. Anything. It doesn't matter if you're talking out loud and someone thinks you're crazy. Just talk to him. Lord, just, I'm, the older I get, the more I'm doing this. Just talking to him because he's present. And that kind of conversation with the Lord does a couple of things. It reminds me of his presence. 
And it's, it's amazing when it comes to prayer requests or thanksgiving, or I would say this also, it's interesting how that kind of a thing battles certain kinds of temptations the more I'm talking to them. It's just an awareness of him. And I think that's one of the harder, more important things for us to do in this world. In agrarian societies, you know, hundreds of years ago, people were much more aware of God because they had no control of the weather and they're praying and asking him for it. Now we, you know, we can, we can do everything ourselves, right? But that talking with him always is important. It's always, it's in all circumstances. So let me end this way. That's my appeal to you. Is this week. Just to, to try that. And I'd say have fun with it. Whichever part it is. Whether it's how to have the word dwell on you. Turning worry when there's an anxiousness. Just turn it right to conversation with the Lord. Let it be like you realize, oh, that's the Lord reminding me. There's Habakkuk. He's just reminding me to talk to him about it. And when you're thinking his kind of way, there might be a way to give thanks to him. So there was a time in my life I was meeting with some, some guys and we're just talking about how do, we, how do we incorporate prayer more often? So we're talking about what are the rhythms of the day? You know, I get up in the morning. I don't know what you, I, I start coffee. If I do, before I do anything, well, yeah, before I use the bathroom, I, I, I got the coffee water going. It's the first thing I do. So whatever your first thing is, so I kind of wake up in the shower. What if that's just talking to the Lord about what's going on? Meal times we tend to do, but in our house, we don't make mealtime about food primarily. It's like there's a, there's a pause. Just think about what the day's been like and thanking him for things. Nighttime. And when I was with these guys, we started doing something. It's like my, my, my gap, what I'd miss, was right in the middle of the day. So we actually started setting alarms on our phone that would go off right around lunchtime so that we would intentionally pray. And, I, and it was really good. I'm like, I, I would forget. I'm like, oh. And it's great. I'm a pastor. I'd forget this. I'd be doing things that I thought were important. But my little anxious heart had already drifted. Some problem I'm dealing with. And I can't tell you how that little alarm going off would just remind me. I'd stop. And I'd talk to the Lord about whatever's going on. And it would turn to thanks. So I threw out so many things today. But I did it this way. This is a theme throughout all these letters. And these churches had real problems in them. Why is that so often in Scripture? Why is it instructed that way? We need it. Not only do we need it, the Lord wants us to walk with him. So this is, this is not about being positive and you'll feel positive and your life will be better. That is not that. It's about an orientation towards God that I need, that we all need. And there's a part of that, there's a community part of that as we do that together. One's faith encourages another. Let it be so for the glory of Jesus and our joy in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for certain themes that come again and again. We are a company of great forgetters. We forget what's important. And I trust that today there would be reminders that we receive from you that, that people wouldn't feel beat down or I don't do this well, but they would instead hear your call to walk with you and enjoy that fellowship. 
And it doesn't mean our lives get cleaned up or just means we get to walk with you. And there's a, there's a peace, there's a goodness, there's a joy, there's a thanks in that. Thank you for loving us so well and have your word be alive in our lives. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.